0: Praise the Lord, it is good to worship his name. I just wanna thank Dr. Dockery for the opportunity to be here before you and bring God's word. So I was talking here with some friends beforehand when you were asked to preach at chapel at first, you're very excited for the privilege and the opportunity and as the day draws near, you wonder why you said yes. But it's an honor and a privilege to be here I just wanna thank again Dr. Dawkins for the opportunity. I wanna thank all the faculty and staff. And I need to obviously thank my wife and my family that are sitting over there. Uh, Dr. Grace mentioned seven names of our seven children. Yes, they are all ours. No, they are not adopted. Hope we always get those questions and each one is precious and we're thankful. And I couldn't have done this and been, been here without my wife. Um, She has supported me, encouraged me. And this sermon is as much hers as it is mine. And I mean that, honey, thank you so much. You are the best helpmate I could have received from the Lord. And I love you very much. Um, As uh, Dr. Grace said, my church, we just planted, replanted last month. And so um, we're in a new stage. I never thought I'd be replanting a church at the age of 46 When we told a friend that we're gonna do this, um, he said, are you crazy? And we thought, why would he say that? Well, now we know, we had forgotten just how hard it is. If you don't believe in spiritual warfare, plant a church. There are some things in life that just don't seem to go well together. Like orange juice, and toothpaste. Yeah, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can taste it, can't you? Pineapple and pizza. Now, I know that's going to cause division in the church, but it's just wrong. I am sorry. I think we can all agree that other things that don't go together are pastors and skinny jeans. <laughs> We have been unified. I mean, most can't pull it off and shouldn't even try. And those who can, which are very few, those are the few chosen by the Lord to be able to pull it off, shouldn't, because it makes the rest of us look bad. Apple and Microsoft. I mean, just ask IT. I mean, there's a theory I have that All the IT workers in the world actually own Microsoft and Apple on purpose so they can have jobs. (laughs) And that unlikely mismatched couple, that couple that you look and you're just like, I just don't see it. She's too good for him. Well, they actually do go well together. The truth is, you're just jealous because they're happy. Today, we're going to look at a couple of things that our natural experience says don't go well together or shouldn't be together at all. Yet, the Bible teaches that for the spiritual person, they do. Joy and trials. Let's have this question in mind today as you look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. How can a Christian experience pure joy in the midst of difficulties? How can we fulfill what James says here in chapter 1, verse 2? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. All joy or pure joy. We need to take a step back and look at trials from God's viewpoint. We need the right perspective. If we're honest, most of the time trials hamper our joy, Imagine having a flat tire, a runny nose, and bad Wi-Fi all at the same time, especially when you're trying to rush to get something done. Things like this never happen at a good time and are so frustrating, and we think to ourselves, oh, Lord, you are testing my faith today. Let's recall the historical context here of James. Stephen has been martyred. It was a shock. Any of you who have been in a church that has lost a godly leader unexpectedly can understand this. Now, the entire church is being persecuted. Christians have been driven from their homes they have lost their possessions, they're being exploited by the rich, they're being wrongfully dragged into court, and they're being hunted down by zealous Jews like Saul, who becomes Paul. James, who is elite elder or pastor of the Jerusalem church, wants to encourage the dispersed church And so he writes this epistle, this letter, and the first thing he says is consider it all joy. What's going on here? Is Pastor James here out of touch with his people? Is he just giving pat answers? I mean, forget about felt needs here for a second. There's some real suffering going on in the church right now. James understood that the trials these believers were encountering were due to their loyalty to God. These trials were not missional adventures or spiritual battles the church sought out. Rather, these were difficulties they fell into or encountered because of their faithful walk with Christ. And these trials were multifaceted. It's not just one thing that had gone wrong, everything had gone wrong. Several serious trials were threatening the faith of James' scattered congregation. Let me assure you, my brothers and sisters, they would have preferred an inconvenience like bad Wi-Fi over their life and death situation. As a sidebar here, I just want us to be encouraged. Don't confuse inconveniences with trials. I know our culture easily confuses the two just like needs and wants. If you want a little help discerning the difference, go to a third world country that persecutes Christians for a season. You'll soon see that your first world problems aren't really problems at all. Some of our missionaries know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't turn toothpicks and splinters into heavy beams and crosses that you carry for Jesus. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are you. Praise the Lord, who wants blessings? Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely slay all kinds of evil to you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. To the followers of Christ, life's troubles are not an impediment to joy. Why? Because trials are a confirmation of our identity with Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, they hated me, so they're going to hate you. What they did to me, they will do to you. And to be identified with Christ, especially in suffering, is not only a recurring theme in the New Testament, but also a source of joy for the believer. But there's more. In addition to the joy of being identified with Christ in suffering, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. We need to understand that trials are a necessary part of the Christian's refinement process. These tough experiences that the church had fallen into were allowed by God to test their faith, to see if they would endure. When we think of the word testing here, don't think of your midterms or finals that test how much you know. Rather, think more along the lines of testing the purity of gold under extreme heat. Pure gold will endure the heat. It will pass the test. Anything else will burn. And when you think of the word patience and endurance or endurance there in verse three, the idea is being steadfast under trial. A persistent determination to stay the course no matter what. We can contrast that with verse 6 when uh, James says that if you don't have faith, you're like a wave tossed in the ocean, which is quite the opposite of being steadfast. Another way to think about it is grit. Grit. A believer will hold on to his faith or her faith in Christ no matter what, nothing will pry him or her away from their Lord. The truth is that trials reveal the pureness and the quality of our faith. Trials refine and shape our knowledge of God. Trials reveal our answers to the questions, do I really know Christ, and will I truly trust him? It's one thing to follow Christ when he's handing out fish and loaves. It's quite another to follow Christ behind his cross in front of an angry crowd. Only one of these scenarios will reveal the trueness of our faith. So first, we see here in James that we need the right perspective. It's a blessing to be identified with Christ, especially during trying times. Second, we need to understand the process that trials purify our faith and teach us to endure. And third, we get to verse four, and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. We need to keep the Christian goal in mind, perfection. There is purpose in our suffering, perfection. The goal is to be complete, to be whole. Jesus said also in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Talking to his disciples, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to become like his Father. We will not become God or become a God. That is a wrong interpretation of that. The idea is to be complete in character, to be free from moral defects to reach spiritual maturity. In a word, our goal as Christians is Christ-likeness. God began the work the day he saved us, and the Lord will finish the work upon his return. Let's jump to verse 12, James 1, chapter 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There will also be reward. As we await Christ's return and reward, trials, we see here, are the means by which not only are we conformed to the image of Christ, but also how we increase our reward. That is another reason to consider trials As joy so here we see in verses 2 to 4 that trials due to faithfulness to Christ identify us with him praise the Lord we also see that trials reveal the purity of our faith in Christ and when we pass when we endure praise the Lord there's more joy And now we also see that trials help us achieve our goal, our purpose of becoming more like Christ. And in his grace above grace, he will even reward us for that. Praise the Lord. That is joy over joy over joy. We should be overjoyed. Trials are not impediments To our joy, rather, they are our friends. The means by which we become more like Christ. By the, the means how we fulfill our purpose when we respond correctly. Trials help us be who God wants us to be. And when that happens, the floodgates of joy open up. So what? What now? Here are a few applications for us. One, adopt God's perspective. Adopt God's perspective. I like the movie Ratatouille. Came out in two thousand seven. I like I like a lot of cartoons. You know, happens when you have kids. But I enjoy myself too. And the villain is a food critic. Food critic called Anton Ego or Ego. As the movie reaches its climax, Anton says, you provide the food and I'll provide the perspective. Sometimes we want to impose our perspectives on the life God has given us. Like Anton Ego from Ratatouille, The first imperative in this epistle is in verse 2. Consider it all joy. It's not an option. It's a command for every believer. It's not that facing trials will have no response other than joy. The command is not, don't be saddened by trials. The command is, deem it all joy. James says in verse three, you know this already, you know, but many times we forget or simply choose to live in ignorance. This is a discipleship issue, my brothers and sisters. We must cast vision theologically and practically of what this means, of what it means to be identified with Christ and to become more like Christ. This is the miracle of miracles. This is the reason Christ came. And sometimes we want to trade in Christ for something less, for wealth, prestige, position, success, ministry platforms. The born-again Christian understands who he was and where he was going before Christ and how it all changed once he became to be in Christ. I was in darkness, but now I'm in the light. I was a slave to sin, and I was dead. Now I'm a servant of Christ, and I'm alive. Then my destiny was hell, and now it's heaven. I was lost and alone, and I am found, and I am home. Suffering was meaningless, and now it has purpose and reward. The right perspective transforms trials from a defeated, despondent experience into an occasion for genuine rejoicing. This is not being out of touch with reality. Rather, it's being in touch with the power and the purpose of the gospel. If you get this wrong, you will never find joy. So let us adopt God's perspective on trials. Amen? Amen. Two, stay. Stay until the trial is done. This is the second imperative in verse four. And let endurance have its perfect result or full effect. I enjoy smoking barbecue. (laughs) Those last three letters are important, aren't they? I enjoy smoking barbecue. Now, when you start to smoke, It's exciting to watch the meat temperature go up steadily. And at first, you can begin to think when you're less experienced, man, this brisket will be ready faster than I thought. But after a few hours, the temperature reaches about 150 degrees Fahrenheit, and then it stops rising. You keep checking the thermometer, is my thermometer broken? You check the coals, everything's fine. Everything's as it should be. A couple more hours go by. That meat is still 150 degrees. What's going on? My brisket is broke. You've hit the stall. The part of the smoke where it feels as though nothing is happening. But this is a normal part of the process. You just have to accept the fact that it ain't done until it's done, and you can't rush it, and you don't want to rush it. Here's the point, you have to be steadfast during the stalls and the trials of ministry. Sometimes the trials are long and slow, and one can begin to lose hope. It can feel as though the spirit has moved on and left you behind. You are tempted to pack up and move before God is done with you. Just like no one wants a halfway done brisket. No one wants a half-baked Christian leader. Many church leaders, pastors, ministers, missionaries, denominational whole gambit, sense that the Spirit's leading me to leave when the going gets tough. When we retreat from the trial of faith on our own terms, we exit the process prematurely and miss out on the full effect of endurance. Many Christians have not passed the test of faith not because they don't have faith, but because they walked out before the refinement process was completed. Since they could not endure, they did not mature to the level that God intended. And we wonder, why? Why is there a lack of strong Godly leaders in our denomination, in our churches, in our families. This is one reason why too many Christians drop out from the school of faith before they graduate. We have too many school of faith dropouts. And the reasons are, we fear suffering for Christ or we prefer our comforts over Christ. Staying power is the mark of a believer who has yielded his life to the Lord. If we, as Christians, as Southern Baptists, want to mature, to be whole and lack nothing, Then let us not flee the trials that God has allowed in our lives. We have to remember the context. Believers, the context of James is this believers who have encountered spiritual trials because of their faithfulness to God, they're doing the right thing. God has allowed this in their life. If that's you, stay put, let it play out. Let the process have its full effect. Let the Lord complete his work in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, the next thing I want to share relates to this first part, to the second application. In the midst of the trial, remember, please, Remember what is being tested. What is being tested here in this passage? It's not our strengths, not our skills, not our willpower. It's not our competency. Too many times we approach faith more like Americans and less like Christians. What do I mean by that? When we encounter trials, we tend to think, I need to toughen up. I need to dig deep. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can do this. Is this what God is testing from what we see? Is God testing our self-reliance? Of course not. We are not called to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, my brothers and sisters. Like Moses before the burning bush, we are called to take off our shoes, bow low before the holy God, and trust him. When we decide to endure trials in our own strength, we are telling the Holy Spirit, hey, we've got a plan, we got this. Just sit back and watch, Holy Spirit. We don't need you. This is arrogance. And the Lord rejects arrogance. It is only when we are humble and weak, we confess it before the Lord that the power of Christ rests on us. And we can endure and pass the test. Beware of approaching your faith tests incorrectly. Remember what is being tested. It is your faith and your trust in the Lord and nothing more. And finally, don't chase after joy. You're an athlete, a runner, their goal is to finish first, to cross the finish line first. The athlete that's running is not chasing joy per se, but if he wins or she wins first place, they know they will receive a reward and experience an exhilarating joy. Let's not be fooled. Joy is not our goal. The world's philosophy is, follow your dreams. Listen to your heart. You do you, just do what makes you happy. The world indoctrinates us to follow our dreams because that is what the world says will make us happy. It's not bad to want to be happy. I want to be happy. God wants us to be happy. But we must understand that joy is a byproduct of Christ's likeness. Joy is a byproduct of fulfilling God's will. Chasing joy apart from Jesus Christ is idolatry. The only correct response, if that's you, is to repent of your sin, turn back, Stop chasing joy and start chasing after Jesus. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's Hebrews 12:1 and 2. Christ's goal was to do the Father's will, That was his joy that strengthened him in the trial of all trials, Mount Calvary. Our goal is Christ, to be like him, to honor him, to serve him, to love him. He is not a means to our joy. Christ is our joy. There is no joy apart from the Lord. So let us chase after Jesus. Let us remember what it means to be identified with Christ. Let us meditate on what it means to be conformed to his image. Let us remember that he's watching us, and he is returning, and he will bring reward with him. What? I'm with Christ? Praise the Lord! I'm in the kingdom. I'm with the king. He has chosen me. I am saved. I have a future. I have a hope. I have Christ. What can be more joyful than that? Let us endure trials with joy by remembering what we know. Trials are a means of becoming like Christ, of fulfilling our purpose, and receiving our reward. Trials and joy might make an odd couple at first. But they have been brought together by God for our good. Trials are hard, but take heart. Chase after Jesus. He is coming soon with his reward. Joy is on the horizon. Let us pray. Father, we are so easily distracted and we easily forget the preciousness of Christ. Father, let us find our joy in Christ. Let us consider the trials that you allow in our lives as joy because they are your tools to accomplish your will in our lives. We love you. Help us to stay the course and endure. In Jesus' name.